session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. Again, our studio number 310-4410555. The book of the week for this week is Consolations by David White. Consolations, the solace, nourishment, and underlying meaning of everyday words. And I've just read a little bit of the book, but it's a very interesting exploration of words, as it says, uh, underlying meaning of everyday words, going very deep into what they mean or what we associate with them. And it's very interesting. I uh, read, they're in alphabetical order, the words that he selected. So I read anger yesterday, and there was something in there about how anger is actually compassion in some way. And I probably will share that one along with some other ones uh, on uh, next week's show, Monday. But the book of the week is David White, Consolations, The Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words. And David White is a poet. Uh, So looking forward to reading the rest of that book and sharing it with you on Monday. And so inspired by that, I thought I would do a little bit of an exploration into two words that are related uh, that to me actually have different meanings or significances when we look at them a little bit deeper. And those two words are growth and change and of course they're interrelated interconnected if you're going to grow you have to change and when you change oftentimes you are growing but the reason why i wanted to explore this is because i it works in the personal sense of course if you're looking at yourself but i also wanted to explore it when we look at relationships and the ways we interact with our partners uh, wanting them either to grow or change while on the surface might seem similar or maybe even the same thing, but they aren't exactly the same. So if we begin with change, again, overall change is a good thing, but when you want your partner to change, that means that you are not accepting them where they are or who they are or whatever it is, behavior, uh, personality, whatever it is we're talking about. When you want them to change, what you're also implying is I don't accept you as you are or it's hard for me to accept you or I would prefer you to be differently but there is a message being sent that there's a lack of acceptance for the present version of your partner so when we want our partner to change we're giving them this message that I don't want you to be the way you are you need to become different for me to like you love you or at least to like you or love you more Whereas when we're focused on growth with our partner, or we want them to grow, that means that I already accept you how you are, 
but I want to contribute and support and encourage you on your path of growth. I accept you as you are, but I want you to grow. Of course, if you're not growing, you're dying, essentially. You always should be growing when we look back on ourselves 10 years before and when it's 10 years from now, you'll hopefully will look and see how you've grown over those years and not stayed exactly the same. But at every stage of that growth, you can hopefully love and accept yourself for where you are. So when you communicate that to your partner, that I'm here to support you in your growth, you are sharing with them a message that I'm here to love and accept you as you are in all those stages, but I will be here to help support you towards growing and becoming an even better version of yourself as we go forward. And so that's another aspect of it when we look at growth and change. Usually when we think of change, that's you telling your partner how I want you to be or become. I can't accept this. You need to become this way or this about you needs to change or this behavior needs to stop. And, and let me make a quick side note uh, just to be a little more comprehensive, not completely, but as uh, since this comes to mind, of course, there are some behaviors that we should not tolerate. If your partner is abusive, physically, verbally, uh, sexually, if your partner is hurting you in your life in some huge ways, I'm not saying you should still love and accept that. So of course, there's some things we should never tolerate, including disrespect or any violations of who we are uh, and taking care of us and respecting and, and, and abuse is never tolerated. So I want to make that point clear. So I'm not saying you can't want that to change or uh, expect that to change or not accept it not to change, meaning that you wouldn't continue a relationship or start a relationship with someone who's doing those types of behaviors. So I'm talking about things that are not that extreme, but that we still might, uh, you might want your partner to change and, and think that it's actually a good thing because that's how it feels as well. It's a good thing. I want this person to be more educated, be more this, be healthier, be whatever it is. They might be good things, but the difference here is that, as I was saying, when we look at change, what that usually means is you're you're telling your partner what they should become. You should change this or you have to change this for me to love you. And so partners in this uh, situation, and this definitely extends to parents as well with their children, they might think, well, it's something good. I'm saying study more, exercise more, do this more. And so the advice or what you're even recommending or encouraging might be good and healthy. That's not what we're looking at, but it's the message that I'm picking for you what to do and what you should become, which ties into and relates to this sense that what you are is not okay and I don't love it as much or I can't accept it, but that you need to change. So another aspect of this word change is that when we tell our partner they need to change, we're telling them where they need to go. We're taking away that autonomy and that sense of self and that self-directedness and that self-determination of what they want to do. I get to choose how I want to grow. So that's change, but growth is allowing your partner to say, this is what I'd like to do. This is how I'd like to grow. And then, of course, it's very important to communicate how you can support them, which again should also come from them. 
So they say, I want to exercise more. I want to read more. I want to do this rather than you now coming. Okay, here's a schedule I made for you to get that accomplished. That is more, again, coming from a change type of mindset when we look at this uh, comparison. But with a growth mindset, it's more that you're allowing them to tell you. This is what I would need for, from you. Can you please check in with this? Or can I check in with you once a week? Or if you see me doing this, I want you to stop me or to do this or to do that. Very different from you just coming in and doing that same thing. So for example, someone wants to cut down on drinking. If you yell at them or tell them they shouldn't do it or you're at a party and you grab their hand, they might get very upset. But if they tell you, look, once I've had one drink, I want you to hold my hand or do something to actually stop me from having the second drink or help me not have that second drink. So if they're asking you, it's very different. So growth is much more self-directed. The person who is making the growth or modifying themselves, they are the one that determines what they want and also how you can help them get there, how they will get there themselves, of course. But then as far as your role, they'll help you uh, understand what they want from you and let you know. So it becomes more about them than you, which is very important when we're looking at uh, someone growing. And that's where that who's making the decisions. Another aspect when we look at the word change in this way, and I understand change is actually usually a good thing. When we look at some situation as bad, we talk about change. So we're talking in a very specific context. And of course, I'm giving it some um, meanings that I think it has when we look at a certain context. So change is good. We look at a bad system of government, we want it to change. And I know we don't want to get too caught up in the semantics that you have to always say grow. But when we're looking at an interpersonal type of relationship, when you're saying change, another element is this element of control. So you're trying to control someone to become something or become someone that you want them to be. So it becomes a more controlling thing than actually a, I want you to grow because I love you and I care about you. So we see again that it becomes more about you than about the person you, uh, it seems, are trying to help. You're the one that wants to pick the goal. You're the one that wants to pick how they should get there. You're the one that wants to choose how you're going to be involved in that process. And we see that this is going to influence or infect every aspect of things. Because if they're not meeting that goal, rather than recognizing it's their goal, they want to grow in this way. They're the ones that will have feelings about it or will look at it or want to determine what to do. What you want is not as important. You, of course, will care about your partner's growth. You'll celebrate their victories. You'll feel with them if they have a defeat of some kind or failure of some kind, let's say. But it's more about them than you. So you let them be the one who is experiencing the uh, whatever it is that they're going through, rather than it being about uh, about you. So we have control versus when we look at growth, it's about support and encouragement. It's not that I'm going to tell you where to go. I'm not picking your destination. You tell me where you want to go, and you tell me how I can support you to get there. Now, if we approach things more with this growth type of mindset rather than you have to change type of mindset, it's very likely your partner will want to explore with you even where they should go or how they can get there. Now they might actually want your advice, or they might want you to tell them, you know what, this is 
what about this idea? Or have you thought of doing this? Or whatever it might be, there's new ways they can explore with you of getting to where they want to go. But you let them choose where they want to go, where their goal is, how they want to grow. And then you also let them come to you rather than you imposing on them a plan or uh, uh, steps that they have to take to get there. That's the way you think is the right way to get there. So we see that there's also a feeling of space, which also is the opposite in some ways of that control. Because when you're controlling someone, you're invading their psychological, personal, physical space and saying, do this, do that. Essentially, you're moving their body for them rather than letting them move and supporting them if they want that. So we're giving them some space. Space doesn't mean you are not connected. Space doesn't mean you are not contributing or encouraging or that you're not doing enough. For some people that are used to or accustomed to controlling someone else, they might feel that that's how you love someone is that you have to be so involved because they tell themselves, well, I can do more. I can do more in uh, helping them in our mind that we should control them more. But we have to be aware of is that more about me or about them? Because if you're sometimes doing more, you're actually taking away from the way they can grow. If you force them to study more or read more or whatever it is that they're doing, they're not really gonna grow as much anyway. So that's another aspect of this change versus growth is that when we try to change someone, because it becomes more about us, the person trying to change them rather than the other person who is trying to grow, it also means that they don't get as much growth out of it, even if they were to grow from it, because they're doing it because you forced them or you've made them do it, rather than them developing certain skills, the ability to make the goal, make the plan, implement it and get to that place. There's a big difference there. And so lastly, I'll come back to that idea of acceptance, that when you tell someone they need to change, what you're saying to them is what you are now is not good. And we have to be aware of this message. And this goes back to the argument that people can make. Well, it's a, it's a good thing for them to become more this or more that and whatever it is. And that might be true. But we have to be aware of that message we send to the other person that what you are now is not acceptable, is not lovable, or is not very lovable. And I don't really like it. And this goes whether you're a partner or a parent. Parents do this too with their kids. Well, I'm just trying to tell him to study more or tell her to do this, which is a good thing. But be aware of what messages you're sending your child or sending your partner when you tell them you need to hurry up and change. You need to hurry up and not be as you are. And that actually won't help them feel better to then do whatever it takes to grow. They're going to feel bad about themselves. And the analogy I sometimes use is we want to chase our dreams not run away from a nightmare. Because if you feel like what you are is unacceptable, you start running away from the nightmare that's behind you, trying to get away from it because what you are right now is so bad. So you're avoiding this thing that is the now and you're trying to put it behind you. Whereas chasing a dream means you're looking forward with excitement and anticipation of achieving some goal. You already feel good where you are. So where you are is not miserable and terrible, but you can see something better that you are running towards. So when we give our partner or as a parent to our child, this message that you need to change, we're telling them that you currently are in a nightmare and you need to get away. 
rather than helping them recognize their own goals and supporting them as they run towards those goals with excitement and anticipation and also the autonomy to get there and also to choose the destination. All right, let's go to our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Jalakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to a caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Um, hello, doctor. How Hi, thanks um, for calling. I have a question about my daughter, 18 months daughter. Okay. Okay. Uh, our original plan was when she is 18 months, I uh, put her in the kinder care because she is the only child we have. Mm-hmm. So we were planning to do that. And now with the COVID-19 and all the concern, I'm kind of, I don't know, it's better for her to, because right now she is at home with her babysitter. I'm home too, but she is getting very attached to me. She doesn't play that much with other kids, like with her cousin. That's why I don't know which one is better. Should I Hmm. put her in, uh, you know, the kindergarten or should I wait maybe until next year? when she is two years or maybe older you know what i mean yeah no it's you know these are uh, unprecedented times because the decisions are already hard about daycare staying home when to do those things they're already very difficult decisions but now with the coronavirus which has changed so many things and brings new variables into the mix and then also not knowing when things will change or how they will change makes it very complicated and makes it hard to make a decision because we don't know a lot of what what's going to happen going forward so one thing i'll mention is i'm obviously not a medical doctor and even the medical doctors right now the field we're not quite sure or they're not quite sure about coronavirus and children and if they can carry it or how likely they are to carry it and so some of those risks about coronavirus and how it would affect your child and affect your family, I definitely can't speak on because that is part of, I think, the decision that you're making relates to that. And that's definitely something I can't tell you one way or the other or what the chances are or what the effects are. So I want to be aware of that or make that clear as we continue the discussion that that's something that... Yeah. yeah, it's important to do more research, talk to doctors that you have around you, a pediatrician. Yeah, I yeah. talked to her doctor, and that's what he told me. He said, um, you know, it, it's a risk you are taking, but you cannot put your baby, you know, I mean, uh, protect her all the time and keeping her inside, not play with anyone, not going out mm-hmm. with anyone, that's not healthy also. That's what yeah. he told me. That's why now I'm... Uh, and yeah. like I said, because she is... Because all the time being inside, she used to be very social, playing with others, but now she's not doing any of those. I'm thinking maybe better to put and if I don't put her and wait until she is two years or three years do you think it's gonna be a 
problem because she is the only child and playing with adults more than the kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we want them to have exposure to other kids. You know, this is, again, we're in a very new territory because with kids, we talk about what they miss socially, which is very important. But with babies, it's different because... You know, they've barely had any experience in life in general, obviously, because they're babies. So there's, it's new. We don't, we, they, she hasn't had a lot of social interaction, period, let alone having it and then taking it away. And so I can see how you don't want her to miss on having that with no other children in the home. You mentioned something about her cousin. You mean they're not playing because you are not getting together or has your daughter's behavior changed? No, we are getting together, but it's like she doesn't know how to play with other kids because she takes her toys and she starts playing with herself. Well, at at her age, but at at 18 months, kids don't really know how to play together. They do more like parallel play, more than they're going to be really playing too much with other kids. Okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't be too worried about that, that she should be playing um, with other kids in a way that's very direct and interacting, they don't do that much at that age. So I don't want you to get too concerned about about that. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's not something we're too worried about. Because um, even... Now, if I yeah. wait, because the other thing is, I'm working, but I'm working from home. And mm-hmm. if she stays with her babysitter... Um, until like she is two or two and a half, um, it's not gonna be a lot. I mean, it's not gonna hurt her, right? It's it's not bad if she and try as much as I can put her with her cousin or other kids to play on the weekend. Mm-hmm. It, it, is it good? Is it enough? I say, or do you I think? think I mean, yeah, I think that does sound good. You want to be aware of, as always, as much as. You have the help, and I know you know she's playing with her while you're working. Also, you know, use the help more to do the housework, and you play with her as much as you can. Um, it, however, you can make that happen. So we always recommend as much as possible when you have the help to have people that are helping you, or if you're paying for that someone to help you, to do as much of the housework and other things, and you interacting with your child make that more of the time as much as you can so uh, if you have the option of either you doing the housework while the babysitter is is uh, playing with your child or the opposite I would recommend the opposite where you're with your child even more in the time that you do have um, and then you know doing that but you're asking me if it's okay it does seem like it's okay is it ideal maybe not but at her age a year and a half it's not that she should be having. She's not. She's not going to have so many interactions with other kids. So I wouldn't be so concerned that um, she's really missing out on so much, because again, kids at her age don't play with other kids in an interactive way too much anyway. So there's not some okay. big thing. You know, you mentioned before she's very attached to me. I mean, she's yes. supposed to be attached to you. I, you know, so it depends on what you're talking about. But her being attached to you is healthy. Because, yeah, it's healthy, but because before she would stay with her dad or she would stay with her aunt while I need to go out to do the shopping or to go out something. But now she doesn't want, even when she's playing and I'm working, I'm doing my job, all of a sudden 
she come and she checks on me to make sure I'm mm. in my room, in my office, and I haven't left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's okay. Or, I mean, kids, they, they worry. They want to know where you are. I wouldn't make it... It doesn't sound too alarming from what you're saying or alarming at all. Um, one thing is to make sure you just make her feel okay that she's checking. Right now, at a year and a half, verbally, mm. she'll understand but not understand so much. But still, even in how you respond, you don't want to make her feel bad that she's checking or that she shouldn't worry. You should make no, her know I, she doesn't yeah, need to I worry. But yeah. her, I hold her in my arm and Good. I say, now mommy has to work. Can you go back and play? I come back or something like that. You yeah, know, and, then and even goes. letting that's good, and letting her know that you know, um, you know, I want to play with you too, or I like playing with you. And at her age, again, verbally, she might not get the what you're expressing as much, but letting her know you're going to play with her soon and you want to play and make her feel good. You know, a lot of when we talk about working with kids, we'll say, say this or how should I say it, which is important, but the feeling is also important. The way you make her feel that, you know, when you're seeing her, you're happy to see her. I'm sure it's tough when you're working, you might not want to get distracted or lose your task, but making her feel good that mommy wants to see you, mommy loves to see you, mommy feels good when she sees you, again not that it's kind of annoying that you're coming you know it's so it's hard and i know it's easier said than done to do it perfectly when you're living in real life so i get that but it's just something to keep in mind because uh, this is not a sign necessarily of separation anxiety because it's she's too young and this doesn't sound extreme at all but when kids start to get older one of the things when i work with families with with separation anxiety is you want to give the child the sense that I'm here. What happens is sometimes parents, because they get annoyed or they don't want the kid to get too dependent on them, they sometimes push back, like push away. So sometimes I'll say, you know, if your kid is hugging you, hold your child as long as they want to hold you. But sometimes parents, when they start to get annoyed, they let go or they think, oh, come on, you got to, you know, we have to move on already or go. So we always want to give her the sense I'm here. That stability is there. She's still trying to form that base that that she's stable with you. Now you're saying she's more attached to you. You're saying even with her father, she won't stay? Like when I want to leave, right the moment I want to leave, she starts crying. She wants to come with me. But that's, then that's, when that could her be dad healthy. holds her and he tells her, we are going to play, we are going to have fun or something like that. And then we'll, I leave. After I leave, she's okay. She plays. Okay. But the moment I want to leave, sure. it's kind of hard, you know? Yeah, and that's, and that's okay. And that, um, it depends on how much and how extreme. But if we look at attachment, even when a child is securely attached, they don't want the mom to leave. So her not wanting you to go is could be actually a good sign. If she didn't care at all, that would probably be worse than her getting oh. sad. So I know it's difficult and you don't feel good. And then parents can themselves feel guilty that, oh, I feel bad that my baby's crying. But, you know, it seems like you're handling it well. You're staying with her, making her feel okay. Her father or someone else is there to comfort her. And as you're seeing, as you get, you know, I guess the report afterwards, she's okay. They can, Kids can handle these separations and reunions. It's part of life. And we show them that we're going to come back. We show them that when they're crying, it's okay, that they're crying, they can be sad, it's going to be all right, and we make them feel okay. It seems like you're doing that. So I wouldn't get concerned that she gets sad when you're leaving. That's pretty healthy. Now, now, if the COVID or the coronavirus concern was not around, 
is 18 months old, it's okay to put her while she's not speaking. Um, she is not speaking English or she, you know what I mean? Is it, yeah. okay? is, is it normal or should we, if it's not the, um, I mean, the coronavirus concern, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is the regular or what is the best for the kids? It's yeah, I, I don't like to say a set time because I think family to family, it's going to be different. Kid to kid, it is different. So a year and a half is not late. It's more on the early side. So I think waiting a little bit more. And then also the length of time is important because if you can, we don't want to make it like nine hours a day where the kid is away, especially at her age. That's going to feel like a very long time. So I'd recommend shorter, just a few hours, even if you were to do that. Um, but you're concerned that she needs to be around a lot of other kids. I understand that, and we want some of that, but I wouldn't make that such a big issue. If your setup is okay oh. at home, I, I'm not so concerned. I would encourage just yes, being around her cousins and things, and and I, I don't know how old her cousins are, but nonetheless, they don't play Same that age. much. Same yeah. age. So um, that year, the play is very it, yeah minor. <laughs> So it's going to be okay if I wait until she's two or two and a half. She's not going to, yes. like you said, losing she's... or that No, no, she'll or... be fine. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't be concerned, yeah, with that, um, you know... D- if you can have the cousins around here and there, that's great. Also, just to build that relationship with her cousins. But I, I wouldn't be afraid that she's missing on something big. As I mentioned before, kids her age, they don't play that directly with one another where they need that playing together as much. They play solitary or they play parallel, but they don't really oh. play that much interacting. So just make sure you're playing with her in the sense that by play, it means engaging, you know, having eye contact, all those kinds of things where you're playing with her and making that connection. But what you're telling me, nothing seems too concerning. I understand when you have a child and you want to do the best for them, you can be concerned about everything. Uh, but what you're telling me, nothing seems very alarming. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, doctor, one more thing. Um, sure. I had my uh, baby in really late. Um, uh-huh. I am 44 years old now, mm-hmm. and the reason it's long story because we um, came to the United States and we wanted to find a good job and then all this, you know, be settled. And then when mm-hmm. we were settled, everything was good. I got really sick and I couldn't have a baby. And then um, later on, we tried and finally we have her and I'm so happy mm-hmm. to have her. But now, at the same time, I have some kind of guilt that, okay, I'm 44 years old, my husband is 44 years old, and we are having her, but um, for her, we are, you know, not that young, and energy doesn't have that much energy, or sometimes I feel like I'm thinking about her when she's 20, I am 64, um, does she want that old mom? You know what I mean? And I'm, I, I feel like I'm really feeling guilty because mm. I, my selfish uh, side, because I wanted to have a kid, um, you know, we bring her well, into the world, and now we both are going to be old. We, I don't know in that age I'm going to be alive or not. Uh, why did I do that? Why did I do that and now she's gonna and she can't have a sister or brother that guilt also sometimes Mm. i don't know is it 
And my husband sometimes say I'm overthinking, but sometimes it hurts. It's really I'm concerned hmm. about her when she's 20. You know what I well, mean? I can understand where you're coming from. I. I mean, I want to be careful to tell you don't feel this, but I don't think you need to feel guilty about it because I don't think you did something uh, extreme or something really wrong. I'm looking at the time we're at a commercial break. I, because this is an important topic, I know we could have quickly just finished it, but I do want to give it its uh, some more attention because that guilt that you're talking about is something important first for you, but then, of course, how you're going to interact with your daughter uh, if you are carrying that guilt. So if you can, let's just uh, wait and talk after the break, okay? Okay. I'm going to put, yeah, all I right. Can. I'll put you on hold. Thank you. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fahir We will be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So we were talking before the break at the end. Uh, you shared s some feelings of guilt you were having of having your child what you felt like was older. And so you, you and your husband being older. And then also you mentioned that you would not be able to have any siblings because of that. And you were saying you, you have some guilt with that. And that also could be connected to what you were talking about of sending her to daycare that this feeling of well she doesn't have any siblings or she won't have any siblings i have to make sure i i get her around other kids exactly. uh, i don't know yeah so I, was, I thought that could be related to that which is always good when we get more of the, the fuller picture we can understand some of the anxieties or feelings that might be fueling some of what we're thinking about now first to begin with not that i think any specific age is the right or wrong but uh, if you say you're you're for, you had her at 44 or you are 44 now i'm 44 now okay. i had so you, her around 42 okay yeah. so yeah so i mean i mean you know with today's um ways of people having families later that's obviously still on the later side but not unheard of and something really wrong or bad so i don't think inherently you did something wrong at that age to have a child uh, and age i you know i know when people say age is nothing but a number i don't like that because it doesn't mean uh, being 90 is the same as being 10 um but there is a lot of space between what does 44 mean what does 64 mean you're saying when she gets older and i would hope that serves as a motivation to both you and your husband to stay as healthy as you can with everything that's in your control and very often having a child does motivate people to take better care of their health in all aspects so i hope that will give you you and him that motivation to be as healthy as you can be for her um you know because obviously she deserves that first it'll also be good for you too but she could serve as that motivation so you can be there for her now you mentioned something about energy and i don't know what you're going through but parents of any age that you talk to when they have a baby or a toddler they'll talk about being tired and it's exhausting so just you telling me you know you don't feel like you have the energy i, I don't know what you're experiencing but, but i'm not surprised if you're feeling tired but yes go ahead okay no that's the thing i don't know actually i talk to my like sister or other they they tell me because they had their kids in the younger age you know and they are saying it's normal 
Like I said, mm-hmm. maybe I'm overthinking, and then I get tired someday because I'm working and then playing with her or do this, and then at the end, end of the day, I'm like, um, God, I'm done. I, I just, I don't want to even eat anything. I just want to go to bed. And then I feel like, okay, if I had her earlier, maybe I didn't have this uh, feeling. Or, and sometimes I'm like, uh, if I had her earlier, I could have done maybe more for her. That's not enough what I'm doing with for her because I get tired or because of that. You know, or sometimes I'm thinking about when she goes to school, all of her friends, they are going to have younger mom, younger looking mom, or younger dad, and then when we want to drop her off, maybe she doesn't like, you know, all these kind of the thinking. I don't know if it's normal or, but I think about it a lot. Yeah, so what... You're asking if it's normal. I think what you're feeling, I want to share this that you, not that it's to judge what you're feeling. It's more than I think you need to feel about it because I don't think you're doing something wrong. But the fact that the feeling is there means we have to deal with it. So whether or not you should feel it or not won't just make it disappear. But the feelings you have, you have to look at and understand. And especially for yourself, of course, but also for her. Because if you carry this guilt with you, you're going to consciously or unconsciously put it on your daughter, uh, whether you do certain things or even as she gets older, in a way wanting her to prove to you that she's okay that you're older or that she's not feeling like deprived in some way. And then you're going to put that pressure on her to make you feel okay. So it's going to be very important for you to look at this guilt, accept it and deal with it the best way that you can so that it doesn't carry off or carry over onto your daughter because we wouldn't want that. Now, like your, I'm glad your sister told you that she had her kids younger and she was tired too. I've never worked with or met anyone who has babies or very young children, even older children as well a lot of times, who don't say that they're not tired or that it is tough to get enough sleep or rest or it feels like there's always more to do. So giving yourself that space that what you're going through isn't because you're 44 and you're a mom, but it's because you're a mom. And so it is tiring and it is exhausting. And yes, maybe if you were 32, would you have more energy? Maybe, but you would still be exhausted. So not to think that in this idealized view you have when you were younger, it would have been so easy and now it's hard. And this means your child is being deprived or not getting enough. Every child had parents that were tired because that's a part of being Uh, parents of a young child is it does take a lot of energy it's stressful there's all these things to do and take care of so I don't want you to think that you are damaging your child because you're tired sometimes or sometimes you get to the point where you're too tired or get exhausted that could just mean you're a parent and so accepting what's happened you had your child at the age you had your child I don't think you did something wrong or bad And I don't think it means you can't be a wonderful mom and dad for her and that you guys can't give her everything she needs. So if we can accept that, then 
once you get there, you can say, okay, within this, what can I do? Because I did say everyone does get tired, but you might look and realize, you know what, I need some more support from my husband this way, that would help. Or I need more support from the babysitter to stay more or whatever is going on. Once we accept the situation, then we make the best of this is the reality of what's happening. You have this wonderful 18 month old girl that you wanted and you're going to love so much. And you and your husband are both 44 and you have your life situation, life circumstances. Now you have to do everything to do the best that you can for her because she deserves that. And you deserve and your husband deserves to be the best parents for her. But I don't think the the worrying about when she's 20 and you're 60, I, that's not, I, that to me is not such a big deal, which are to make it a big deal or that you're going to show up at the school and you guys look so much older than the other parents. I don't know what you and your husband look like, but it's not something I think is going to be alarming to have, you know, parents in their 40s Actually, coming to pick up know, the kid. everyone around us, like telling us that we don't even look like like uh, my friend or somebody when we go to the party or somewhere we tell them we are 44 they are like oh no you don't look like you are 40 but i and like you said my husband and i we changed our lifestyle we do more exercise we do eat healthier just to make sure we are there for her at mm -hmm. least for her graduation you know what i mean Still, I'm thinking, I, like you said, maybe I better control that. <laughs> well, I mean, control is a hard thing. You know, I talked about control earlier in the show today, too. And even when we try to control someone else, we can't do it at all. But especially uh, even with ourselves, it's hard to do to just think, control this and make it disappear. But I hope you yeah. can understand it. It does seem like the way even you express things from the beginning um, there is this fear, some anxiety there of doing things wrong or not doing it perfect or making a mistake that it exactly. might put too much pressure on everything. And so there's actually a, a term in psychology, it comes from Winnicott, a very well-known psychologist called good enough mothering. But what that means is that parent, the kids don't need you to be a perfect parent or a perfect mom. They need good enough and then they grow healthy. So you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be things that are not ideal, that could have been better in so many ways, always. But people turn out okay. So you have that comfort that, okay, things are going to go wrong. I'm going to do my best, and my best will be enough. It'll be good enough for my child to grow up healthy and for me to give her what she needs. And I don't have to feel bad about that because this goes back again to that guilt. You might then try to do too much for your child, get too involved or, you know, try to fix too many things and not let the natural problems and consequences of life happen because you're so worried about not doing enough. So it's something that I know you said control and I, I'd want you to look at and try to work on this guilt and understand it better and realize, you know what, hopefully you can accept the decision you made to have your child, which especially with today's science and medical uh, field, it's not like you did something very, very late. Lots of people are having children in their 30s, late 30s, early 40s. It's much more common than it used to be. And there's no reason to think you and your husband can't be good parents to this child. And also to remember that when it's challenging, it doesn't mean, oh, it's challenging because I'm 44. It would have been so different. No, being a parent is challenging. It would have been hard no matter what age you had your child. So remember that those difficulties aren't because of some 
quote-unquote mistake you made or selfish decision you made. No, it's because being a parent is going to be hard. And I think it's wonderful that you and your husband try to make lifestyle changes that's good for you, for her, for everyone. It's a win-win. And as I said, the child can be such a great motivator to be like, I want to take better care of myself so I can take better care of my child. And for longer, that's wonderful. And, and try to see how that guilt can turn into acceptance of the situation and then doing my best and your best is enough. There's going to be challenges. That's part of being a parent and part of being a child and a human being is there's things that are hard sometimes, but it doesn't mean she's going to be damaged or something bad happens. Like, you know, you're worried if she doesn't go to daycare that something happens forever that's bad. No, it's okay if she starts later than you planned or, you know, there's not, no thing that's going to really hurt her that much. And so it's okay. trying to take some of that pressure off. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you one more question? Of course. Sure. Um, and the other thing is, I like you said, uh, uh, I'm thinking about maybe it, because I was with her when she was born until she was nine months old. And then mm -hmm. from nine months old, I had a babysitter to help me because I had to go back to work. But I was at home, babysitter was here. I tried as much as I could to spend time with her, but then when I had to work, babysitter take care of her. Do you think starting from nine months old and I having someone else with me here, did it damage, did it hurt her? <laughs> or no, I think she's gonna be okay, you know, People have in-laws around, you know, other people are there. As long as she's getting a good amount of time with you, I would not be worried, you and her, uh, her father, your husband. You'd, I wouldn't be worried about damaging. And even, you know, being aware of, I, I know, of course, things can hurt and damage people. I'm not saying you can't. But the way you said it, even, I do feel like there's a lot of pressure you put on these things that will even make them potentially become worse than they actually are you put it makes it too much pressure that something happens are you having okay. a babysitter there that's there sometimes i'm not concerned about that at all like okay. i said people have you know the mother-in-law father-in-law or someone is there like a lot of times other people can be there less is obviously good you want to have uh, not so many people and not so much time spent with other people but some hours a day is okay as long as again you make sure you connect with her spend time play, try to make, take advantage of whatever you can with the babysitter doing other things while you're playing with her and just making sure you get that time to keep that connection strong with her. Okay. Thank you All right. so much. Thank man. you for calling. Yeah. Best of luck to you and send my regards to that little girl. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. Thanks. Thank you to take yeah. care. Let's go to another commercial break. You're listening to In Session. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, thank you for taking my call, doctor. Sure, thanks for I, calling. I have, a, I have a question about my daughter, too. But this time she's 21 years old. <laughs> okay. And, go ahead. Uh, the question is that she, was, uh, she just met a, a, a boy uh, about a month and a half ago. And then uh, they were going out, having a good time. And about 15 days ago, she just uh, came to us and said she wants to move in with him. 
just go on and live with him, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought it's just a little bit it's too quick, and uh, uh, it's just a relationship, really. Is, we didn't really like the, uh, uh, the, the, the way the relationship was going and stuff. Uh, but uh, she gave us uh, an ultimatum that either she will move out, or we have to give her the freedom that she can go out anytime and she comes home anytime. I thought it was a little bit harsh the way she said it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, especially my feeling was really, uh, I, 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 I found it very disrespectful, the way she said it and stuff. But uh, we didn't say anything. And then she's been going out, spending three, four days at a time um, together with, uh, with this guy. Uh, my question is, uh, what should my reaction be? Or how, what should my behavior be towards her? I mean, I'm, I'm obviously saddened and a little bit hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to uh, ignore her or do something that might even uh, uh, worsen the situation. Uh, what? How? How should I react to this, Doctor Rambo? Yeah. What should my reaction be? Sure, that it's a tough position because, of course, when you tell me those things, she's 21, and after a month and a half, wants to move in with someone, I would be concerned as well. That it does seem fast. She's young. Um, there, there is reason for you to understandably be concerned about this. And then, on the other hand, recognizing that if you try to control her, you might not get anything to ha- good to happen and you might just damage your relationship with her but you also don't want to just ignore the situation and pretend like you don't see anything or anything concerning about it either um and the way you described her ultimatum it seems like you said it was you felt it was disrespectful but it was it seemed like there was a lot of pressure that she was putting on on you and just so i get some background as far as the home who who lives at home when you know you're saying she was home you your daughter who else and my wife your wife okay and there do you have any other children yeah oh, the rest of the siblings are older and they're all have moved out all, okay. are gone okay so uh, you know of course we're talking about a very the the moving in and this relationship which are important but we always want to look at the bigger picture of your daughter and also the relationship you have with her because my thought would be that her giving this ultimatum didn't come out of nowhere there's probably been some tension about her and her freedom with you and uh you and your wife and her so what has the background been with her and you know either getting into fights about her wanting freedom or if there has been any I, I don't want to make that assumption but my thought would be there's probably something there that led to her giving this ultimatum yeah I mean uh, she probably feels that way I was okay. suggesting that uh, you know be home around 10 o'clock I don't know if you want to go out with somebody be home around 10 p.m. because we have to pick her up uh, she doesn't drive so um in that case, I said, you know, your mother or I, just after 10 p.m., maybe we don't want to just go out driving. Maybe, you know, just want to rest. So don't make it later than that. But that, that I think, put a little pressure on her. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. she feels that she she had uh, she didn't have enough freedom um, you know, going here and there. But she, um, but we really didn't put any pressure at all. But she, I think she feels that way a little bit, yes. Okay. 
And then uh, before I even get more into her, how are you and your wife, do you feel like you guys are on the same page when it comes to her and dealing with her? Same page, yes. Same page. Okay. Which, well, where would you say that page is right now? What, what have you guys decided uh, either together or with her? Well, um, I think, as I said, I thought it was a little too early for her to be so much involved with a person uh, like that. I wanted her to have a you know a more more thoughtful relationship, and then uh, you know, and then she's on last year of uh, university. She's studying the international law, but this guy is just uh, I don't think she's even go- he's even going to university or anything like that. Um, so I, th- I thought it was just a, it's not a suitable relationship. That's both both her mother and I think that way. However, uh, we just want to give her the freedom. If she she likes somebody and she wants to be with somebody, that would be okay. But it's just uh, too much and too quick. Mm-hmm. What is? Uh, and we're thinking maybe that she has some kind of a maybe. Uh, today we were thinking about uh, she doesn't have any maybe boundary. What is that? What is that thing that we call somebody with no boundary? Well, there's lots of things. I mean, I don't know if you mean like a mental disorder, one of the personality disorders, uh, borderline personality disorder. Yeah, borderline. They don't have boundaries, but I wouldn't want to jump to that conclusion because lots of people without borderline personality disorder will have issues with boundaries. But since you, the way you said it, I assumed you meant a diagnosable uh, mental issue. So it's possible that's there. Well, tell me more about her are there other things about her that leads you to think she would have borderline personality disorder? Yes, of course she's uh, taking some medication. Um, uh, okay. And also she is going to see a, she, she sees therapists every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't think she's oh. been diagnosed with anything. But uh, okay. But uh, but she does have uh, uh, some anxiety. And uh, anxiety, and maybe a little bit of a depression. She did have okay. that, and because of that, she's just taking medication and went to doctor. What I mean, does she, does she have? I mean, you know, is she very aggressive or have extreme anger? Does she um, ideal? You know, one of the, the hallmark symptoms of borderline personality disorder is that the individual will idealize someone and then devalue them so someone very quickly will be like the greatest thing that ever happened to them the best thing in the world and then uh, at some moment will shift until being the devil and the worst person in the world have you seen that pattern with her no okay not not in the uh, past but because okay. of this this guy that was so quick that yeah. uh, made us to think whether it is a borderline personality or not. I mean, I could understand there seems something about this smells fishy, like why is she so quickly enamored with him and wanting to move in, and that, that could be concerning. And so going back to this issue of control, we're not going to control her to do what we think is right. What I would hope you can have with her is more conversations about what's going on, where you can express your concerns, which I think you have to some degree, but letting her tell you more about this relationship, why she wants to move in, what's going on. Um, even with the ultimatum, I would have a conversation with her. It's like, okay, it seems like, you know, you're putting, it feels like a pressure that you want to do this or do that. I, I want to understand what's going on 
more. So rather than just focusing on what are the rules going to be, having the conversations about what's going on for her, because I can understand your concern that she wants to, to move out. By the way, how old is this guy uh, that she's dating? Uh, 27. 27, okay. I mean, that there's some age difference that's not huge maybe that's still she's 21 he's 27 okay um so have what have the conversations been like with her has she expressed why i like him and and, and related to that have you and your wife met him yeah we met him uh seems to be a nice guy and at that time when we met him there was no discussion or even any conversation about moving in or anything like that you know they were just you know spending time together going out to dinners and stuff like that but uh, but she just uh, she just wanted wants total freedom. And I went and say, what do you like about him? Or uh, she just uh, she just says I want to spend time with him. And then uh, you know, is anybody is anything good about him or anything like that? Is any anything particular? She says no. She says there's nothing. She can't say anything good about him. I'm not, nothing in particular. Only just seems fun. Okay. That seems a little bit strange that she'd say there's nothing. I mean, I'm sure maybe she didn't, she meant it in the way that there's nothing about him that makes it that I have to move in with him or I really want to move in with him. But I'm sure she, she likes him more than just him being fun, I would assume. But okay. Um, and did you say, so she said, I want to move in so we can spend more time together? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then with her schooling, you said she's in her last year. Is she, did her school start yet? Or is there any thoughts? Is she planning on continuing? Yeah, it's continuing. It's the last year okay. and then she only has a few more steps to go. And she's doing good at school. I mean, she's going to graduate soon I mean, in a few months. Okay, that's good. Now, you know, it's interesting you're saying she wants all this independence. Um, but at the same time, she doesn't drive and needs you, uh, you know, needs to be picked up. So, does she live independently when she says that, it, or does she have that, or is it she just wants more freedom, but not taking necessarily the responsibilities of living independently? Um, she doesn't do anything, anything at all at home. <laughs> her mother has to, you know, to basically clean her room and. Um, clean after her and things like that. She, you know, she's just a little bit active, a little bit spoiled at home. She can okay. do, sometimes she cooks and sometimes she cleans her own room too, but basically she wants to be taken care of uh, at home. Uh, she, I think she, is, she, she does do independently um, her responsibilities, especially about school. Uh, I'm not so much concerned about that. It just uh, mm -hmm. Uh, her, her way of her, her thinking and judgment is what makes me. I don't mind if this guy was so great and they were in such a big love and it was something really special that you know happened to her and I, I would be happy for her. But mm -hmm. just uh, her judgment is what makes me feel that oh, I mean the way she says it's really nothing too particular or very great about him you just want to spend time and get um, maybe it's more physical than really anything else um, and this, this kind of judgment that that makes me think that is this a mental disorder or is it really is it love 
mental disorder? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> well, well, some that's, that's some people would argue that love is a mental disorder, but uh, not that uh, I think okay. that's the case because okay. it makes us go a little bit crazy. But that's how I, I'm not saying that means what she's doing. We shouldn't think about it. You know, I would have I would want you. You're saying how should I react? And for me, more than reaction, it's about having the conversations where we want to understand what is it that makes her want to move out. She's saying it's more fun. So is it that she can't enjoy herself at home? Are there things about being at home she doesn't like? Of course, for you know, well, teenagers, adolescents. She, she, you know, she's alone. She's, she's the only person at home. And her mother and I were older, of course. Mm-hmm. And then um, she, you know, she just goes out. She has other friends too. I mean, a girlfriend that she goes out to. She just uh, goes to work out. She goes to the gym. Um, things like that she does. But basically, I think she's she feels lonelier. She needs more love. She needs some somebody her age, uh, probably. Mm-hmm. And then she she needs a boy. I mean, she probably needs a has physical needs. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's obviously reasons she wants to be with someone, and it's not surprising. You know, most 21-year-olds would enjoy living with their partner more than their parents. They might not do it because of different factors, but we can understand her wanting it. But now, is it the right thing or not? That's a little bit different. But I would have these conversations with her of, are there things at home she's not happy about? Now, it doesn't mean whatever she says you just give her, because it does seem that you know, we're talking about boundaries, but some of that has to do with the boundaries or maybe the lack of boundaries you guys have set with her about what she does or doesn't do or who's going to take care of things for her. It seems like, you know, so if you tell me she's spoiled, which was your own words, I would put that more on you and uh, her mom than on her because you have to be aware of what have you given her consequences or not, or allowed her to just do whatever she wants? It doesn't matter. And that's going to lead to her if she has this spoiled uh, characteristic that you're seeing in her. So ta- recognizing that taking responsibility it doesn't mean whatever she does is okay, but that if she's acting in that way, or if you feel that, that's about you and your wife being aware of what you've created with her as far as those dynamics and you don't want to change them in a punishing way now say all of a sudden we're not going to do anything for you you have to do everything because that's going to come off as punishment but somehow recognizing these dynamics have to change and even it could be done with her she might not like it if you say you're going to take on more of the responsibility but being aware that it's more about having the conversation because what you've created with her is probably not healthy for her a lot of times parents we think well we love our kids let's do whatever we can for them, but we sometimes might not recognize we take away some of the areas where they can grow into being a more independent person and also someone who's more realistically related to the world. That when you do this, this happens. If you don't do this, you might have consequences. But if you know you don't clean up your room and someone comes and magically gets cleaned up, then all of a sudden you just feel like, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to do things and magically things will be cleaned up in life or get taken care of. So it's recognizing that responsibility from you and your wife's perspective that we maybe have given her this mindset that she has that might make her a little bit unrealistic even with this of, you know what, this is more fun, I wanna do this now. So I wanna live with him because that's fun rather than she might not be seeing the whole picture. Now already at 21, they're not gonna make as good of decisions as they will even later in their 20s, but still she might have more of that. So. I, I know you're saying, how should I react? I would have some more conversations with her. Of, I want to understand and even be aware that, you know, if you ask her what's so special about him uh, or uh, depending on how you say it, it could put this pressure on her. Like you're saying, 
what are you why do you want to move in with this guy like she's already wrong so if we want to understand her we want to ask her in a way of i want to understand the situation better and i would also ask her are there things about living at home that you don't like about what me and mom are doing and as i said it doesn't mean whatever she says we do it becomes part of a conversation of you know she says oh you guys don't let me do anything okay well let's get more specific when you say don't do anything what are the things that you want to do and we make you know you can make some boundaries together so when you're talking about her not having boundaries we want to create them with her not just put her in some kind of jail where we're going to tell her what to do and not to do but create some system with her uh, and recognize that we haven't given her enough boundaries and that might be contributing doesn't mean it's the cause but contributing to some of what we're seeing now yes, doctor let me ask you two, two quick questions first sure. of all since since that happened that you basically moved out. I have not had any conversations with her. And anytime she came home, she came home a couple of times. I I didn't ignore her, but I just didn't start any conversations at all with her. I mean, I'm, I'm saddened and I'm hurt. Yeah. And that is why I'm asking you whether I should control these uh, feelings and emotions and then push myself into conversation with her or just basically... Uh, it's very hard for me to face her or make conversation with her because, of I, as I said, I, I'm, I'm hurt. But yeah. uh, sh sh shall I uh, push away my own feelings and emotions and, and hurt and then try to make a conversation with her and see if I can, like, I can find anything more about her? That's one well, question. I... The other question is, let me just mm -hmm. put it put both questions, maybe they have both the same answer, whether I should talk to her uh, therapist, psychologist, and uh, see if this lack of judgment or uh, 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 lapse in judgment, perhaps, is something that uh, the doctor should talk to, to her about, or is it a consequence of a mental disorder? Uh, or is it just uh, normal that 21 year old wants to have fun and this kind of thing? I should not really be concerned. These yeah, are so the major things sure. that I'm really working with. Yeah, no, those are, I, I can get where you're coming from, both of them. The reason I actually um, was cutting you off before was that we're past the commercial break and I want to give us some time to talk about this. So uh, we'll, we'll look at those two questions you brought up and explore them a little more deeply after the break, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Sure. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to him now. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. All right. So we're talking about uh, the situation with your daughter who's 21. And, and before the break, you mentioned two questions. Um, one was about talking to her therapist, and the other one is about putting your own feelings aside to talk to her. And I'll, I'll mention the therapist one first, because you said, if I was clear on this, should you talk to her therapist about what's going on to see if the therapist thinks this decision is based on a mental illness or something else is that is that what you wanted to do yes i just uh, okay. you know if i know that she is just having fun and normal for 21 year old and it's not any related to her mental uh, disorders or her anxiety or other, any other mental problems that she might have if i know that uh, that's not an issue maybe i you know i will probably accept that a little bit better uh that's yeah you know, i just uh, was concerned about this lack of judgment that i think it is or a lapse of judgment is that 
possible the cause would be a mental mental disorder. Well, you know, even in saying it in that way, it almost externalizes the blame like, okay, it's her mental disorder. And even still, uh, I don't know if that would mean you would have to act differently if, if it is for sure. And, and usually nothing's that this is her anxiety or this is for sure just depression talking. It's more complicated than that. And, and it feels like a way of blaming it on something rather than let's try to understand and deal with it, which whatever is going on, it's probably a combination of things. You're going to have to have some conversations with your daughter. Now, about talking to the therapist, I would definitely not recommend talking to the therapist without telling your daughter. Um, and also because your daughter's over 21, more than likely the therapist would not have a conversation with you, a back and forth. You, you can tell the therapist something. So if someone calls me and says, I want to talk to you about your client so-and-so, I would have to say I can't confirm or deny that I see anyone because of confidentiality. And that yeah, and I, I can I say, if you want to tell I me, you can. I totally understand that if I wanted to have any conversation, it would be with her presence. Okay. And even with that, if you wanted to explore that, I would talk to your daughter and see if your daughter wants that. Not because, you know, this is interesting. We're going back to boundaries because to me, that would be a violation of your daughter's boundaries to be, I want to talk to your therapist. So we don't want to go against her own uh, boundaries of things. And I don't know if as far as just getting that determination from the therapist will be so valuable. Now, I think working if that therapist, you know, sometimes we seek a different therapy for um, the family, a different therapist for the family therapy. If she has this therapist that she likes, again, not taking over her boundaries or her space, we wouldn't want to necessarily turn this into family therapy, but it is an option to explore. Of course, she would have to be a willing and not just willing, but a wanting participant, meaning she wants to be in it. So I wouldn't explore that so much because part of what it seems like you're trying to understand is, yes, if it's like a professional's opinion about what she's doing, but also kind of like what's going on in my daughter's head. You want to know what's going on. And the most direct way to that is going to be having a conversation with your daughter. And so that brings us to your second question, which I think the way you had said it was, should I put my feelings aside to talk to my daughter? And uh, I think the second part, talking to your daughter, I like, but putting your feelings aside, we can't really do as far as remove them completely in general and even remove them to have this conversation. I think it's important for you to understand and recognize your feelings and also to to deal with them because if we go into a conversation and our feelings are too hot, then usually it's hard for us to have a good conversation. So let's say you're really upset with someone. That's why we say, give yourself some time to cool off, to process the feelings and then come back. Because if you have the conversation and there's too, uh, the feelings are too raw and too intense, then inevitably it's going to spill over into the conversation you have. So you might be able to start the conversation super calm and okay. But if you guys really get into something meaningful, if you still have these big feelings, they're start to, they're going to start to come out. So even when you say, should I put my feelings aside, that tells me that you have some very strong feelings about what's going on, understandably so, but I wouldn't want you to think that you can somehow make them disappear even for having this conversation because it's not about having just one talk with her. You hopefully will have a conversation that will then spark some type of discourse between you and you and her and your wife 
about what's going on, what she's feeling, what we're going to do. So if you just think, you know, if I can just put my feelings aside for this 10 minute conversation, it's probably not going to work because it's going to have to be something bigger. So you will have to look at what you're feeling, which I understand is a lot of things, um, and deal with that mostly on your own, not make that part of the conversation. My feeling is that I don't want even want to see her right now, the way she handles this, the way she... Okay. So you can, and you can share that with her. You're upset. You're hurt by what she, how she handled it. And, and talking about that, and this goes back to the, you know, the spoiled feeling you mentioned. If we're not being real with our, whoever it is, but with our kids, then they don't really see the consequences of their action. So parents sometimes think because I love my kids and I'm the parent, whatever they do, I have to be okay with it. And that's actually not helping them. If you're a child, I'm not saying this is the case, but let's say you have a child or teenager and they disrespect you, for let's say a parent to ignore that doesn't help your kid. Now, you definitely shouldn't disrespect them back or retaliate or even necessarily punish them in some severe way, but letting them know that that's not okay and dealing with that is actually helping your child more than ignoring their behavior. So if she did something that you really, really think was so bad, I'm not saying we definitely don't explode at her and unload some anger on her, but we have to let her know what you're feeling or your concern or what's going on. So that's what I mean. And even the language you use of putting the feelings aside in a way we have to recognize our feelings, deal with them and have them be processed to a degree where they're not too hot and too explosive. But we'll bring some of that into the conversation that you were, let's say, frustrated or upset. That's not the focus of the conversation. I'm upset, so make me feel better. But letting her know the experience you're having, that you want to understand more what's happening, that it seems she's unhappy or it seems she's upset with you and and your wife. And we want to understand her more. So we want to see if we can connect to her and what's going on. But I could get it that you're so angry right now. It's hard for you, like you're saying, to even look at her, have that conversation. And so it's going to be tough. There's a repair that has to happen. When she's coming home, it seems you're being cold with her. She's feeling that. So she's going to feel even more distant from you. And so if you try to reconnect with her, be ready that this is going to be a challenge. And again, it goes back to one conversation is not going to be the fixer of this situation because first we're talking about repairing relationships and rebuilding and even modifying some of the relationships you have with her because it seems like there aren't some clear boundaries uh, both in what she does and how you you and her mom respond to her and so that could be hurting her that she thinks there are there aren't consequences or she might not be seeing that so we're not punishing her when we talk about consequences but it's creating a realistic relationship to the world when you do things things happen you know if you just talk to your mom and dad in a way that isn't respectful it's not that we punish her or tell her who do you think you are or we're going to disrespect you back but it's letting her know that didn't feel right to me that this is how you talk let's talk about this what's going on clearly you're upset if you said those things or that was what was going on but let's talk about it rather than jump to uh ultimatums and demands let's have a conversation and likely she feels that you and uh, her mom have not given her what she wanted or maybe didn't listen to her or something. So there's going to have to be other things that will likely come up about what happened before all this happened. So that's what I mean. If you really want to address this, we want to look at a bigger picture of the whole relationship you have with her 
and with you and her mom and with the other siblings being older maybe there's some things there of how she was treated and how she feels there's, there's probably a lot of things going on and no, more had, than we getting had, doctor we had similar conversations with her before but she, uh, she, she keeps on changing for example one day she says i don't want to live here i don't like it here uh, one day she says i don't like my mom you know my mom this or this that when i was younger Another mm-hmm. day that he says, oh, you're controlling, but well, I, I, I absolutely I say, what am I controlling? I, 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 absolutely, I don't control anything. Another day she says, come on, my sister, when she was here, she's this. It's, it's basically, it's just uh, she's has, I mean, that she changes this uh, reason for her unhappiness. Well, and those, and, and you know, necessarily, those aren't necessarily changing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I get what you're saying. It feels all over the place. But you could be saying there's multiple things I don't like. So it's not necessarily yeah. changing. She's adding, well, I also don't like this. I also don't like this. And I'm not saying what she's necessarily saying. We're looking at if it's right or wrong. But if she's saying that's how she feels, we at least have to, to hear her out. So when she says mom's controlling or you're controlling, and look, I'm talking to you. If I was talking to her, of course, I'd say if you say it that way, it's likely going to turn into a fight and you're, whoever you tell is going to get defensive. But if you can try to hear what she's saying and rather than prove her wrong, understand her perspective. So she says, Dad, you're so controlling. Now, your reaction, of course, is like, what are you talking about? I give you so much freedom. I'm not controlling. What do you mean? Other parents are more controlling. Whatever might come to your mind. We're going to have to address it more as... I want to understand when you when you say I'm controlling, what does that mean? In what ways do you feel like I'm controlling? And again, this doesn't mean whatever she says means she's right. Whatever she says, you have to change your behavior immediately. But it becomes part of a conversation. So going back to I want to talk to her therapist. If we want to understand what's going on in her head, we have to give her the space to share what's going on inside of her head. So she says you're controlling. I get the knee-jerk reaction. But we want to try to at least in that moment put it aside because now that the conversation started, I you can't say I'm going to go for five hours and come back unless you're so heated that that's the right thing to do. But now that you're there, we want to get that from her of, okay, so what's going on? I want to understand that when you say I'm controlling, what do you mean? And maybe there are some things you'll become aware of or maybe it's things that you think you need to actually do and you're okay with. But it creates a conversation and you send her the message I care about what you think and what you feel. I want to understand what's going on. And so it'll become part of a bigger conversation. But doctor, lastly, uh, let me ask you this. When uh, a young girl at her age meets a, a, a boy, a young boy, and they want to have a relationship or um, you know, a sexual relationship together, is that normal that he will basically start disliking her parents or um, where she lived and she wants to move out she wants some of that can happen of course that does you know these things happen especially they'll happen if they feel the parents are against the relationship you know we have a like romeo juliet effect can happen i wouldn't take you know if we hear what you're saying i'm also hearing something that is her anger towards me because she now has this guy and it's natural for her to then get angry at us there could be some of that but that again is discounting or invalidating her feeling so if she says i'm upset with you we don't want to say okay she's saying she's upset with me let me figure out what's going on oh is it her mental illness is it this guy i would prefer you say if she's mad at me i want to understand why she's mad at me what did i do 
what have I done or not done that has made her angry rather than there has to be some other explanation because I couldn't have done something wrong. We want to hear her out rather than justify or understand it in some way that feels more okay. So if she tells me she's mad at you, it doesn't tell me she, you're a bad dad, but I want to understand that anger. Okay, what's making you angry about what your father has done or not done? And let's go from there rather than I'm going to prove that it's not me, it's something else. So being receptive to that will allow for her to tell you what's going on in her head. So, so you're recommending even though I really am I'm, I'm not basically ready to have even face her or communicate with her, but you're saying that I, I push, should push myself to just... No, I, I definitely definitely wouldn't want you to have a conversation when you're not ready for it. That's, that's more than likely going to backfire. But you got to get yourself ready actively. And so you have to do the work of... Maybe even if you want to go to your own therapist to talk about it or definitely exploring it yourself and coming to terms with, okay, she's upset, she's angry, she's hurt. None of those things mean you're a bad father, but in the course of a relationship, feelings happen, feelings get hurt. Parents inevitably will cause pain okay, for their kids okay, unintentionally. The she's, having good, she's enjoying and having good time for herself. I, I'm the one who's the, the mother as well. We are the but, ones but, who are, Okay, and, but but so that's but then right. So then you, I mean, still she's upset and hurt. I'm not saying she's having a bad time and she's having a worse time than you right now. But so again, it's like she's coming back and saying I'm hurt, and you're saying no, you're not. You're having fun. Me and your mom are the ones who are the victims here, and we're not looking at who's the victim or who is more hurt. We're trying to understand what everyone is feeling and where they're coming from. So she still okay. might be mad at you. She might be mad at her mom from when she was 13. And I'm not saying that's the cause or that's an excuse. So I'm not saying, oh, she was because of what she did at 13. Now she can do whatever she wants. No, but we're trying to understand more. And so even the, the resistance, it seems that you're having of accepting that maybe there's things you guys could have done is going to make it harder for her to tell you. So I'm not saying you... It's about your mistakes and let's blame on you. But I'm, I don't want it to just be about, oh, she has a mental illness. So this is her mental illness making bad decisions. We have to understand the deeper feelings that she has for you and her mom and, and go from there. And we have to accept that even in being good parents, we still make mistakes or things that we could have done better or ways that we hurt our children that they didn't like. So let's let her tell us what she's feeling and that will be our starting point to then connect and see what we can do to make things better okay i understand i think I should it's a tough a situation yeah give yourself you know wait a little bit and like i said you know we sometimes say time heals which it does but it's also what we do at that time so i hope you'll you know be active of course calling me was one step in that i'm sure but being actively involved in making that time help you get to a better place to have that conversation you'll never you'll have feelings that that'll be there so they won't be zero but you want it to be at a place where you're ready to have that conversation uh more calmly so that it can get to a more productive place rather than blowing up into some fight that will just probably make things worse that was very very helpful doctor thank you so oh, much oh good i'm glad nice good luck to you wish you the best thank thanks you. for calling thank you very much have a good okay. day you too take care let's go into our last commercial break we'll be right back Welcome back. So today we got to talk with a few parents and 
being a parent is the, the hardest and most important job or role we will have in our lives. So it's understandable that people have questions, challenges, they worry about doing it right, getting it right, doing what's best for their children. And so wanted to end the show today talking about a type of framework or mindset that's important for parenting that I think is important to keep in mind, uh, along with, of course, studying what we can, learning and developing our skills as parents as well, but also just an overall state of mind to have or framework to operate from. Uh, so we definitely want to do our research, our preparation, which of course means studying things about child development, parenting, parenting techniques, all those types of things, and also work on ourselves. So it's not just about the information we get on the outside, but it's the information and dealing and healing what's inside of us as well. What are our own pains from childhood that we have, our own relationships we had with our parents, with our siblings, all those types of things are baggage that we'll carry into our lives in every aspect, but especially can get triggered once again when we're parents. Now that we are having a child, a lot of those old family dynamics and issues and underlying issues can come up. So it's important to be aware of and deal with them uh, because of that. An important book on this topic is Parenting from the Inside Out by Daniel Siegel, where we have to really be aware of what's going on inside of us what we've experienced because consciously or unconsciously it's going to affect how we are as parents and unconsciously or consciously we might spill those issues onto our children which is what we don't want but coming back as i was saying to this framework of what we want to recognize is you know all the parents i talked to today my belief is they're doing their best to be parents trying their best and in general people are doing their best in whatever we're talking about but parents are doing their best to love their kids and so as a parent we can recognize that I'm going to do my best I'm gonna do the work beforehand I'm gonna put the effort in I'm gonna constantly reflect if I need more support I'm gonna get support if I need therapy to help myself help my kid help the family I'm gonna do those things too so I'm gonna do my best but we have to still accept that in doing our best we're still going to make mistakes, get things wrong, do things wrong, not do things that we could have done that would have helped, and a whole host of other types of mistakes or things that could have been done better, but that that is okay. One, we're human beings, so we're always gonna make some mistakes. Not only mistakes, even if we study and learn everything, there's still some ignorance we will have or some things we won't know or fully understand sometimes you realize it later and you're like i wish i knew this before that we're going to get things wrong and make mistakes and it doesn't make you a bad mom or dad as i shared with the caller earlier winnicott's concept of good enough mothering that you're not going to be perfect and that's okay you just need to be good enough for your child to grow healthy and to develop and even sometimes those mistakes that you make can lead to growth as long as those ruptures or the issues that come up are not too big and if they can get repaired even better it actually can make the relationship and your child stronger definitely doesn't mean you need to make mistakes intentionally or should overlook mistakes you make you're going to make mistakes even in trying your best so definitely don't think i'm such a perfect mom or dad i should add some of these mistakes for my child's growth believe me you won't need to you're going to make mistakes or have shortcomings no matter how hard you try. 
but again that's okay and it doesn't mean if your child is hurt by you because of these mistakes you're a bad mom or dad and that's very important to keep in mind i'm going to try my best i'm going to do everything i can to be a good parent but i know i will still make some mistakes and my child will get hurt by that my child will be okay nonetheless as long as i'm aware of what i'm doing and keep those mistakes or issues that come up small and it doesn't make me a bad mom or dad and that last part is very key because if i think my child being hurt by me or me making a mistake makes me a bad parent then i'm going to be very defensive and at times in denial of seeing those things so if my child tells me i'm sad about something you did or I'm mad at you, if I think my child being mad at me is confirmation that I'm a bad parent, then I'm going to actually defend against it, deny it, blame my child, maybe blame the other parent, but do something because I can't tolerate or accept that my child is mad at me because it tells me I'm a bad parent, which is not true. And actually, ironically enough, by doing that, you will be acting as a bad parent or at least making a mistake because you're invalidating your child's fear or your child's feelings. Your child comes to you and says, I'm mad. And you're saying, no, you're not. That's invalidating. And actually, that's going to harm their emotional development and their relationship with you. So we have to remember that if a child is upset, that's all that's happening. The child is upset. I work with families and whether it's couples or parents and their kids. And if someone says, I'm mad at the other person, I don't think, oh, that person must be really bad. That person's a bad person. But I understand that person is mad. That's part of what happens in relationships, that we get hurt by one another. Even when we love one another unintentionally, we will hurt each other. So it's about understanding. So I'm not judging the other person is bad or saying if the person is upset, they must have done something really wrong. But it's about trying to understand and hopefully in the course of therapy, helping the other person understand why the person is hurt. So if we have that framework that I will inevitably do things that hurts my child, I want to know those things actually. I want to be open to them. I want to hear them from their child so I can actually make things even better. Denying them because we can't tolerate or accept them because we feel it's confirmation of being a bad parent actually makes it so we hurt our child more. So having that open understanding that I'm going to hurt my child and I want to hear from them how I've hurt him or her actually helps us be a better parent. Trying to cling to this idealized view that as a good parent, I'm never going to hurt my kids will actually hurt them and hurt the relationship in the long run. So I'll close it with that. I have more to say on that maybe for future shows, but we'll leave it there for now. As always, a big thank you to Ghazala in the studio, allowing me to do the show remotely. Thank you all the callers and the listeners. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fahid Lakwi. Have a wonderful day.